Greetings and welcome to Worship Matters, a podcast from Discipleship Ministries, an agency of the United Methodist Church located in Music City, Nashville, Tennessee. This podcast deals with the intricacies of planning worship each week. I'm Diana Sanchez Bouchon, the Director of Music Ministries. During these unprecedented days of physical distancing and leading online worship, the worship team has endeavored to provide conversations that share the challenges of producing online worship and finding ways to help those worshiping with us to stay engaged and feel connected, even from a distance. Today's episode will be a roundtable discussion with several church musicians on the topic of when is it safe to sing again in our in-person worship services. This is a question that is getting asked more frequently as communities around the country are starting to see a decline in COVID infections and hospitalizations. The questions I'm getting are, when is it safe to start singing again? What are the protocols we need to keep using during this time of transition? What do we say to our church folk, um, the leaders and the congregation who are ready to gather and sing, especially at Easter, which is just a few weeks away? I know our panel have been asked these questions in the last few weeks and months, so I'm hoping the listeners here, you all, will glean some information as you make decisions in these coming weeks. Here with me today is an auspicious group of church musicians, and I'm so thrilled that I can call them friends. And I'm going to ask them to introduce themselves with their name, their church, and their title, and anything else that they want to share with you. Well, I'm Ann Abels. I'm the Director of Music and Fine Arts at Memorial Drive United Methodist Church in Houston. I'm Steve Harder, and I'm the Minister of Music and Arts at First United Methodist Church in Colorado Springs. Hi, I'm Raymond Trapp. I'm the Director of Music and Organist at Vandeveer Park United Methodist Church in Brooklyn, New York. And I'm Brian Hain. I'm the Director of the Center for Congregational Song with the Hymn Society in the U.S. and Canada. Again, welcome to all of you, and I'm so glad you're here today to talk with me, um, have this conversation about when is it safe to sing again in worship. So the first question to each of you, I just want to know, how's it going at your church? Tell us what phase of reopening you are in and whether you have a choir singing or not. And um, if your congregation is there if and if they're gathered, are they singing? And what protocols are you following? So I'm going to uh, pitch that question first to Steve Harder. Uh, again, this is Steve Harder. I'm at First Methodist Church in Colorado Springs. Um, we have been taping all of our services um, because we're fortunate enough to have a TV studio in our church. I, I realize that's a very unique situation. So we have been pre-taping up until the last few weeks, and we have decided to do a phased reopening of our worship services. So two weeks ago, this past Sunday, We began with one of our services. We began with our contemporary service. And then uh, this past week, we began with one of our traditional services. So that was two weeks since our first service opened. And then in two weeks, which will be March the 21st, we will resume our other uh, traditional service, which is broadcast live on television. 
So that's what we are doing, a phased reopening so that we can make sure that we are being safe and that we can handle what we need to handle at a time. And we are going by a reservation system for, for folks to, to come to worship. And uh, so we are following the current CDC guidelines of uh, staying six feet apart. We've even put colored pieces of tape on our pews and they mm-hmm. correspond to which of the three services you will attend. So d- depending on what service you sit, uh, you attend, you either sit in the yellow pew, the green pew or the blue pew. And again, those are six feet apart. Everyone wears a mask. So that uh, we are not singing. The congregation is not singing at all. Uh, I will have my choirs back in limited ensemble fashion that I can accommodate uh, with all the CDC guidelines of six feet apart and wearing masks. But our congregation is not singing. Thanks, Steve. That's awesome. So, um, uh, Raymond, can you tell us what are you doing at Vanderveer? Yeah, we have not reopened as of yet. We live stream and some Sundays we pre-record. So right now that just includes the pastor, musicians slash choir members and the tech team. Um, what I've done to allow me to have a few more choir members, uh, I've turned the nave of the church into the choir loft, mm-hmm. which allows us to have a few more vocalists and space them more than six feet apart. So everyone just feels safer and um doesn't have to sing from an anxious state. We're looking forward to reopening. But right now, this has worked best for us. And doing that also, we can use various exits for everyone to leave through. And um, that has kept us, we, we felt, in a good space. Right now, in the midst of planning how to reopen. But this has worked for now. We're thankful. And the, and the congregation is not singing? No, they're, they're, they're no congregations are allowed. It's just those persons with the service and they gotcha. join us yeah. by a live stream. Mm-hmm. All right. Awesome. What about you, Ann? Well, I'm going to be the different animal here. We did do pre-recording for the first six months, but we've been doing in-person worship since last September. Um, we do two services in our sanctuary for classic worship, and we do two services on our West Campus for contemporary worship. We did do registration for a long time. We just stopped that about a month ago because what we discovered is we were never filling up. And a lot of people were not coming because they said they'd get up on Sunday morning and thought, oh, I forgot to register, and then they wouldn't come. So uh, we are we have both venues are limited to 25% capacity. So for our sanctuary, that's 200 to 250 people. It seats 1,000. And every other pew is roped off. Uh, We have staff members greeting them at the doors. They have to do the hand sanitization. They have to have on a mask. They have to do a temperature check. There's no bulletins. All the hymnals and pencils and envelopes have been taken out of the pews. Um, There's a QR code on the back of the pews that they can scan and get a digital bulletin. And all the words to everything are up on the screens. And I would say, uh, whereas normally the classic service would have had quite a few hundred in each service, I was excited last week when we had 70. That was about the biggest crowd we've had in person. Um, And we're still live streaming, just like we always do. And we still see that quite a few hundreds of people live stream each week. So it's still kind of in a mix. Um, We do sing. The congregation sings hymns, although we did reduce the number of hymns and we usually don't do all the verses, but they're uh, in mask the whole time. Mm -hmm. I do have choir. We actually have rehearsals on Wednesdays, but 
Um, only about half of the choir members are comfortable singing and they're divided into two groups. So there's never more than 25 in the room and that's a choir room that seats 80 something. So again, we're at 25% capacity. Rehearsal is completely in mask the whole time and limited to one hour. Um, on Sunday mornings, I'm limited to even smaller. The choir loft seats 65, but I have 13 singers. So they're socially distanced way apart. We have lots of microphones everywhere. And that's been a real challenge, as you directors know, finding music that works for 13 people. Mm -hmm. And um, luckily, between two services, I can use 13 different people at each service. So I try to use as many people each week. Let's see, what else can I tell you about that? Um, we do have assigned seating in the choir room and assigned seating in the choir loft so that you don't go sit somewhere and potentially contaminate the space and then have to move somewhere else when somebody comes in. Um, but our entire church, I happen to be on the reopening task force. I have been all along, which has been helpful. And we set our own phase system. So we're in our own personal phase three. Phase four would be back to normal. And mm -hmm. we discovered phase three has various levels. We laugh and say, well, I think now we're creating a phase 3D, depending on <laughs> what's going on in the world. Um, we did shut back down a lot of our activities, except for online worship in January when the Houston numbers shot up uh, mm. after the holidays, including I couldn't even have rehearsals for a few weeks. But we've started back with our solid phase three, which is small groups are allowed to meet on campus, some Bible studies, but they're limited to specific rooms uh, and specific capacities. And even though our governor lifted our mask mandate, masks are still required anywhere on our campus as well as the temperature checks. You have to fill out a wellness form every time anybody comes on campus. So those are all the protocols we have in place. Well, I, and I'm so delighted that they've included you in the protocols. And I'm I'm hoping that most churches do include the, the church musician or musicians in the conversation about the protocols. And as you said, there's just so many phases, even within a phase, because because we're dealing with people and and so there's just a lot to consider. It sounds like you all have done a really good job of, of thinking it very carefully, but also you also have the luxury of a really big space. And I think that's been one of the, yeah, the catch 22s for uh, many of our smaller churches or even medium sized churches that don't have a big space. And so it's very limiting. So, Brian, you're on the call with us today, too, from the Center for Congregational Song. What are you hearing about um, this phased reopening and uh, protocols? And, and I, I know you you get to talk to a lot of different people. Um, are you seeing that churches are now going back to singing and gathering in person? Yeah, I, you know, we're also ecumenical. Um, so I, I interact with all sorts of different denominations. And uh, with that comes different, um, you know, political understandings, different, mm. um, just different worldviews at times. And so I, I kind of hear everything I've, I've heard, I, you know, there, there are congregations that have small old facilities with mostly old people. And they're like, we're not going back for a long time mm. because until the whole congregation is vaccinated, um, you know, they, they just can't make their space safe. Um, and then I have people who are like, we've been singing together nonstop, you know, and with, unmasked or, or masked or whatever the case may be. And we haven't had any problems. Uh, there's, there's just like, and everything in between is, uh, 
what we just heard from from the other three um, kind of different local solutions. And, yes. and I would say that's the other um, difficult part about this is, you know, the CDC will say something or like the ecumenical uh, count, uh, consultation that you and I are a part of, Diana. We're dealing with this on a national scale. Mm-hmm. So we can't tell you if you're in St. Louis uh, on the west side of St. Louis or where like, you know, we can't tell you exactly what the situation is there. Right. Um, you have to figure that out using whatever data you can find. And that could be significantly different than the next person who I interact with who's in Ann Arbor, Michigan. Right. I, it's just um, so at any given time, the national guidelines that these large organizations are putting out could feel very restrictive Mm -hmm. um, or they could feel like on the edge of being not good enough um, depending on where your locality is. So that's been one of the difficult parts is people want answers. Exactly. And it's like, well, it, it depends. There's, there are so many factors. um, And and that's definitely the the hardest part of this, I think. Diana, may I add something? Of course. Um, and right on what Brian is saying, and also refer back to Anne, um, because and that's exactly right. Because in, even though we read the CDC guidelines, of course, and I'm watching those very carefully in Colorado, our state mandates say that we can either have 50% or 100 people total, to whichever number is smaller. So, Anne, your sanctuary seats a thousand, mine seats 1200, but we can only have a hundred. And we've already maxed it for the reopening of our 11 o'clock service on the 21st. We were, and for Easter, but I was just, that that's right. Uh, Just as Brian was saying, and it it varies by state. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, and, and thinking about that hundred, um, you know, hopefully those are vaccinated people and they're like, yes, I can get back to church and they're ready to come back. And that's, you know, that's the, that's the human nature in all of us. It is just like, we're so tired of this. It's been a year. Let's get back and let's sing again. And uh, I want to go back to Brian for just a minute. What do you tell people when they, is it safe to sing again? Actually, literally about 30 minutes ago answered this question, someone on Facebook messaged the center and it was like, um, what about, you know, singing together for people that are vaccinated? You know, so like the questions continue to come in. Um, and my answer is a, is a a very sad, well, it depends. Um, so, you, you know, what we know is that for unvaccinated people, which is still the majority of people we're dealing with here. Absolutely. Um, singing creates more aerosols and therefore is more dangerous than speaking. Like we know that, like the studies have shown that, um, and that's regardless of masked or unmasked. So like what that means is um, if you add singing, that's just another layer of, of risk that you've added to the situation. Now, is it a, is it worth adding that risk? That's it. that depends. It just depends on your situation, your risk tolerance mm-hmm. as a congregation, your demographics, the current the current, uh, you know, virus situation in your locality, the ventilation in your room. I mean, there's so much. So it's like, is it safe? It could be. But is it worth the risk? And I think that's where the consultation has been very wise 
is on, on, on a national scale, we're saying, no, it's not safe because it does increase the risk enough to where if someone died because we decided to sing together, is that pleasing to God? I don't think so. And that's kind of where we landed was like, we can't recommend you to sing. Right. Because that does increase the risk. Mm-hmm. But every church is going to have to make that decision. And, and the science is still iffy. So it's like, do no harm is where the national guidelines kind of stand. Mm-hmm. Um, that's right. I, I agree with you that, um, you know, if you're going to get a, a broad question and try to answer it in a in a broad stroke, it's basically do no harm. That's because and and then that puts the onus back on the local community for them to do their own research, for them to make their own decisions. But knowing also that um, following the CDC, following the current um, guidelines is always the first place to start. Um and maybe the last place to end up as well. So, um, yeah, this is, and it's just getting messier, you know, because as, as we just talked about, more people are going to get vaccinated and there's, there's a freedom with that, but is there really a freedom with that? And communities are just going to start to, um, have more conversations around that. And, um, so we got to figure out how to stay safe with each other. Yeah, Steve. So uh, I'm just to piggyback on that, I know in the paper this week, the CDC said, uh, as you become vaccinated and you are fully vaccinated, which is two weeks after your second shot, they were saying, yes, you can start to gather in your family groups with everyone that's fully vaccinated unmasked. So I had a choir member who sent me the article and said, look, we're not going to have to wear a mask at rehearsal on Thursday night. By the way, tonight is my first time to have my group back and I've got them spread throughout my entire sanctuary, uh, you know, coming back. And I said, no, you didn't read all that article. It says you still, if you're going to be in public, you still must wear your mask. You still must be socially distanced and, you know, and that kind of thing. So I, I, I see folks who are saying, Oh, I'm fully vaccinated. I'm, I'm fine. I had to remind some of my singers about that. They were down at the church for something yesterday. They said, well, I'm fine. And I said, no, you're not. So <laughs> that's a false sense of what they're, they're warning us against right now. Yeah, I agree. Oh, um, so what are we going to tell people when they say we want to sing on Easter Sunday? And, you know, it's crazy to think that a year ago we were saying, oh, hopefully this will be over. and We can have Easter Sunday worship. <laughs> and now we're wondering about this Easter Sunday worship and what it's going to look like. And I know many people have already made their plans, um, which is great. Uh, but so what do we what are we going to tell them? Um, and what and a follow up question to that. What protocols do we need during this transition? So, yeah, whoever wants to jump in. Well, I'll say for us for Easter, of course, we're already singing with mask and everything. But um, all of our Sunday, Easter Sunday services are going to be outside. And we did that on Christmas Eve. Hopefully Easter will be nicer because I'm telling you, Christmas Eve at 40 degrees was pretty chilly outside. I couldn't get enough layers on. But (laughs) we will have uh, four services outside. But we're still going to require masks and temperature checks and hand sanitizing. All the protocols still apply outside. But it does give me the freedom. I don't have to limit my choir to 13 people. 
because we're outside and we have a lot more room to spread out and we'll have the praise team. We'll have orchestra members and we just take out our entire uh, front parking lot with chairs everywhere. So that does give us a lot more freedom. Now, you know, I like to remind people just because you're outside doesn't mean you're totally safe. They're so sick of me because uh, I'm the one that's read all the articles, including stuff from Brian's organization about aerosols and spittle and viral load. And on the task force, myself and we have a parish nurse, we're the sticklers that keep reminding them about things. Mm-hmm. But um, I think that's about the safest we can be is outdoors, but still mask and still socially distanced. So it'll awesome. be hopefully a big celebration with a lot of people returning because we are seeing a lot of people getting vaccinated in the Houston area. That's so great. That's so hopeful. What about you, Raymond? Um, like I said, we won't be open for Easter and persons with access. And I've kind of said, you know, what a day of rejoicing will be when after COVID we'll sing and shout the victory. And so mm-hmm. hold on to that. Um, what I've tried to do is incorporate in these Sunday services the things they're used to. And sometimes there are pictures of when we were singing during while we're singing pieces. And that has helped um, because also there's, I'm in New York and there's a large amount of anxiety still. And I don't want anyone singing from that space, you know, so we continue to be safe. And as someone said, looking forward to that time. But for right now, we're just going to have to hold on a little longer where we are. That makes sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So um, with us, what we are planning, and it wouldn't work for us to be outside in Colorado Springs because it <laughs> could us be why. snowing. <laughs> it very it would well be like could. us on Christmas Eve when, when I tried to lean over in my robe and I had so many layers underneath my robe kept unsnapping. Yeah, yeah. It just wouldn't be, wouldn't be a, a advisable for us to even go down that road to think about it. So we will be indoors. I am planning, I have um, hired my brass players and figured out how to have them six feet apart, along with a timpanist and my organist. And uh, basically what they'll end up doing is they'll be so far apart that they'll just follow the organ instead of me. I mean, you know, I could stand on my head and, (laughs) but anyway, uh, that would be the plan. Now, and unlike you, what my senior minister wanted me to go ahead and do we're going to, we have a very large chancel area. My choir loft would seat um, 80, but I can only put 22 up there. And then if we move our altar table and our flower stands all the way down to the floor, I'll have a big, big chancel area. I've marked off six feet of space there, plus down the steps and, and you know, and that kind of thing. And, um, I can accommodate up to 44 people, I think, you know, by going that way. So that's what we're starting rehearsal with tonight by in our sanctuary that would seat a thousand on the floor. I have everybody six feet apart by section and I put colored pieces of paper. Sopranos know they're red, altos know they're yellow, tenors are green, and bases are blue. And I say, find a place and sit. So um, that's what, we will do, but the choir won't be able to sing hymns. They will sing their anthems, but masked, and the congregation will not be singing at this point. We, Although in Colorado, we are just this close to being able to go down to the next level, which ours, I think they're all different. We're in a yellow phase right now, and blue would be next. 
which would allow us then 175 in worship. And that's what we're hoping for before Easter. And green is y'all come like Texas. So, <laughs> so that's, that's all I can say as far as I know, you know, the congregation will sing it all, but you know, when they're wearing masks, who's to know if they're singing lightly, I can't imagine some of them not wanting to sing, try to sing lightly, you know, one stanza of Christ the Lord is risen today, but you know, yeah. but I agree, Brian, you're exactly right. We have to be so careful. We have to be so careful. And I have to walk a line with that because not everybody agrees with me on that. You know, and I keep saying aerosols, aerosols, aerosols. And so I just have to keep beating the drum. Well, yeah, I, I agree. You do have to be careful. I know it's, it all, it sounds like we're just doing everything. And I think we are kind of leading the way in how to do this safely. Um, but I will say like every week I send a jot form to the people who are singing and every week they have to fill it out and say, are you planning to be at rehearsal? Do you want to sing on Sunday so I can watch the numbers? But then it also asks all the wellness questions. And mm-hmm. they have to, every single week, they have to sign a waiver that says they understand that this is important and they understand that they're taking a risk and they understand if they do something stupid, they're putting other people at risk. I've said from the giggle, I said, this has to be a trust issue that if you're going to go off and go on a trip on an airplane, you don't come to rehearsal. You, you have to take those things on yourself and take care of each other that way. If you're going to do stupid behavior and be out with a lot of people, you don't come. But if you're sitting at home by yourself and you're taking care and people have been tested, because I mean, we have had staff members with COVID. We've had some choir members. One man was very sick with it. But um, I guess I, I hate to say good news, but the good news sort of is they didn't get it at the church. They know where they got it. And they didn't transmit it to anyone that we know of at the church. So what we say about that is the protocols that we're sticking to seem to be working mm-hmm. as long as you follow the protocols. Now, I have those one or two choir members who insist that mask drops below their nose and I give them, you know, the face and, and the ugly <laughs> face and they roll their eyes. And I literally said to one 70 something year old woman, I said, please stop acting like a four year old and pull your mask up over your nose or you're not going to be able to come and sing, period. Oh, and I just love you. <laughs> but that's well, like true. You can't, you know, I said, do, you know, I can't be vaccinated yet. I don't fall into the right category for uh, Texas yet. Uh, I will as of Monday when they lower the age. But I said, do you, do you want to kill me? Do you want to spread your germs to me? So mm-hmm. that goes back to what y'all, some of the others were talking about, about some people getting vaccinated and feeling like that opens up their freedoms. And, you know, they were all like, well, we don't have to wear masks now anymore. And I said, nope, you still got to wear masks because it's still not safe. And Houston has already, I think they found every one of the variants is present in Houston right now. Wow. So, you know, you're just having to be super careful. Yeah, yeah. Wow. Yeah, what I, I keep hearing you all saying um, is that... Um, it, you all take it upon yourselves to be the shepherds of your flock and you you keep lifting up the, the proper protocols and keep bringing that in front of people's um, faces to say, we got to stay safe. We're not going to be a spreader event here at this. You know, we're going to do these things. And I think that's just where we are. And we have to keep driving that home even I mean, we're all acquired musicians here. And so we, we know you just got to keep saying that cut off, get that cut off or, you know, <laughs> and you just say it until you're blue in the face, but you got to keep doing it. 
Steve? Yeah, yeah, Diana, I was going to say, we all know, we all know how many times that article was republished about the choir in Washington. Mm -hmm. And uh, that happened to have happened on the same time that I had canceled my rehearsal that same night. And I've told my people over and over and over, you know, I've been, I've had as many as 14 or so in an ensemble to sing. And I'll say, you have to wear that mask. And yes, and you have to wear it up over your nose. I've told several people over your nose, over your nose. And um, because I said, I don't want to be, you know, we can have all of our sports are going full time. I'm watching the wrestlers slobbering all over each other and basketball <laughs> players and all of those kinds of things. But nope, we can't sing. And I said, you know, they if they all have a COVID outbreak and they go, oh, well, let's not do anything for two days, but let's have one at a church. It'll be on the front page of our local newspaper. And I said, I am not fond of reading my name on the front page of the newspaper as being a spreader of this. So. Great. Thank you. Um, is there anything else that you all want to share from your experience or um, maybe, Brian, uh, do you have any places uh, you've mentioned the ecumenical consultation? Um, and uh, I know that your Center for Congregational Song also has some links. So we talk a little bit about some places people can go to find more information. Yeah, we've got we've got two places. Uh, the first is um, the hymnsociety.org forward slash COVID-19. Um, or you can just go to the homepage and there's a link to our COVID resources. And we keep that updated um, with links to the consultation, with links to Johns Hopkins and the CDC and anything else. Uh, a couple of scientific studies dealing specifically with singing and aerosols. So all of the all of the stuff that we know that we feel like is reliable and useful, we've placed on that page. Um, and then I just created a page on the Center for Congregational Songs website, which is congregationalsong.org. Um, that's like a countdown clock. It's got a little <laughs> speedometer and it's based on the recent interview by Dr. Fauci, where he mentions that when we get to around 70 to 80 percent vaccination, that we should then be able to go back to, to normal living. <laughs> and that lines up quite well with the CDC guidelines they just published a few days ago for vaccinated people that can gather unmasked and unsocially distanced um, when they are with other fully vaccinated people. So it seems like the vaccine is working. The guidelines are such that um, once we have a majority that are vaccinated, we should be able to sing together. Mm -hmm. Um, So I've got a little speedometer that's going to keep uh, on a na- on a nationwide scale, keep track of that progress. Um, Great. Now, once again, your locality may differ in right. the vaccination yeah. rate, so you'll have to interpret that for yourself. But um, that's where I would point you those two two places. Those are great resources, Brian. Thank you. And thank you for doing that. I was I was looking at all of those uh, recently. There's another really good website. It's called COVID Act Now, just like it sounds. It's all one word, COVID Act, actactnow.org. And that'll take you, it's a national map, and then you can drill down to your area and you'll see what where your area is in terms of um, infections. And uh, if you're in the uh, in a red area, you know, it goes down to green, green again being open. Um, and I was looking for us in Tennessee, and we're in a place where we should not be gathering uh <laughs> in person. Um, and so that's a good place to go to make a case one way or another for where, um, for the conversation that people need to have in their own faith communities. 
So um, as we get to wrapping this up, are there other things that you want to share from your experience? Um, Anything else that you think might be helpful to our listeners? Um, I know there's been some really wonderful creative ways of um, having uh, online worship and choirs. I've seen um, here in Nashville at Brentwood United Methodist there's been a couple of times I've seen an, an, a, a virtual choir video with the live choir spread out, you know, 10, 15 people singing together. And I thought, wow, that is so cool. Cause then people that can't gather or won't be, you know, in a social situation can still contribute to that choral piece alongside people that can gather. Um, any, any other thoughts on that? Um. For me, I, I just want to say during this time, I've always sought to create worship that, as we say, meets people at their point of need. Um, during this pandemic has revealed a lot more of those needs. And I think it's it's centered my heart more, my focus more, that as we continue to create worship and choose repertoire, those things, to be mindful of the various needs. My first concern was always about more of us um, seasoned members in church and meeting them during this time who aren't a part of this virtual world. Um, so I just want to say to everyone here, thank you so much for all you're doing and where you're doing it and many blessings to you. And um, we'll, we'll, we'll come out of this stronger with more songs to sing. Amen. Yes. Yep. Anyone else? Go ahead, Anne. Talked about, one of the things we've talked about and part of it is because we have a parish nurse and she's also on the reopening team is the concerns for our members who have been so isolated now for a year. Um, I mean, I literally kind of surveyed some of my people who are not coming back and singing because they haven't felt comfortable with that. And I told them from the be- beginning, there is no judgment on this. You have to do what makes you the most comfortable because your health and wellness is the most important thing. But I was checking on some of them just saying, are you getting vaccinated? Are you going to want to come back and sing at some point? You know, what are you thinking? And I actually had one woman and this is a very strong, independent woman who said to me, yes, I've been vaccinated, but I'm just so scared. I've only left my house once or twice to go to the drugstore over the whole year. And she said the thought of being in a room with 20 people absolutely scares me to death. And I just keep thinking about that comment and how many people are feeling like that because of this year of isolation. And our nurse keeps talking about that. She says, you know, yes, it is a risk for us to come together in person. But she says, as long as we follow our protocols and we keep the numbers, there's a health benefit to people being able to gather safely. And that's kind of been our guiding force is, you know, how can we let people gather safely? Because that's an important part of uh, their their health as well. And I agree with you 100 percent. I think it's so vital and it's so crucial. So I was thinking about my own people and I know some folks that have not left their home really in a year. And I sent out a a survey card, a, a letter of explanation. I sent a survey card to my folks as I was trying to prepare for us reopening and how could I have any singers? And I said, you know, let them check boxes. I am comfortable coming. I am not comfortable coming back. I'm comfortable singing in a small ensemble with only three or four on my part, or, uh, you know, I'm just not comfortable at all. So, uh, or I only want to sing as long as I can have be in the larger group. 
So that's what I did. And you're exactly right. I know I had some people who have to be fully vaccinated who said, I am not coming back yet. So, uh, but, but it's a psychological thing as well. And you and I both have large enough sanctuaries that if you're going to use your sanctuary to try and gather a large group of singers, you can have them all enter separate doors. So I've got my four vocal parts entering four separate doors to the sanctuary to mm -hmm. limit that contact, you know, according to where they're going to sit in the sanctuary. I'm, I'm fortunate. So that's what I'm trying tonight. If y'all want to call me <laughs> next week and see how it went, I'll tell you. <laughs> Amen. It was successful. Who would have thought? Yeah, same thing. There's arrows. The robing areas have arrows so that you come in one way and keep mm -hmm. moving. Mm -hmm. The chairs that they sit in have a number on them and they're assigned. It's, you know, it, they laugh at me being the anal retentive choir director, but that has come in really handy when you're trying to keep all these details and protocols in place. Yep. Yep. I wanted to um, welcome uh, Steve Lindsay who's a music director at Edge Hill United Methodist Church here in Nashville. He's joined our call. And Steve, could you tell us real quickly what, what's going on at uh, Edge Hill uh, in terms of singing and gathering and that sort of thing? Uh, sure. We, we have, we have a, a new choir called Parking Lot Choir mm. that, that uh, first came into being uh, last fall. And uh, last Actually, last evening, the weather was beautiful in Nashville. So I called us together at 4.30 and I basically I ended up with a women's ensemble, which was fun. Um, but, it, you know, it's, it's as much about community as it is about singing. Amen. Uh, and, and so any opportunity I can give them to be in community safely, I'm, I'm going to do that. Um, I, I just... I put my electric keyboard on the back porch of the office, spread chairs out way apart in the parking lot. Um, and we sing through some of our favorite, favorite anthems. Um, so that's, it was, it was nice. Last night was the first time this calendar year we've been able to do that. Mm. And it was, it was very good for all of us involved. Um, I am mid sixties and everyone in my choir is older than I am, except for one person. And, <laughs> and my youth actually already had, has had COVID. Um, so I'm in a situation where almost everyone is at stage two of vaccination. Um, so I'm, I'm going to, I appreciate this conversation because it gives me some ammunition for the questions that I know are coming my way very soon. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, Will you be gathering for Easter? No. Okay. So it'll um, be, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, we'll, we'll, we will do our, we're still doing worship totally virtually. Mm -hmm. um, we are going to open the building for um, self-guided stations of the cross on Thursday evening and on Friday at lunchtime um, because we feel like we feel like we can safely manage um, the crowd that way. And so that will, be, that will be the first opportunity this congregation has had to be back in the building. Okay. Well, thank you, Steve. Yeah, Steve also plays for the Upper Room uh, Chapel services each week. So if you watch the Upper Room service, that's at uh, 11.45, mm -hmm. 10, so, I forget. So, the time. so I think, I think uh, we're going live. 
Facebook Live at eleven now. Okay, at eleven. Mm-hmm. Steve's over there at the in in the corner <laughs> playing the piano. <laughs> so thank you for sharing, Steve. Uh, thank you. That. Thank you all. Yeah. Well, I'm going to wrap this up. And um, again, I appreciate so much that you all took time to to speak with me today and in being this conversation. Um, Thank you all for joining us today. We hope that this has been helpful to you. Remember that you can find more information at our website, umcdiscipleship.org. And uh, we want to tell you, we want you to tell us what you think so that send us an email and you can find our email um, addresses there. So until next time, we'll be praying for and with you and your congregation. May God continue to bless your worship ministry as you make disciples for the transformation of the world. Bye, everyone. This podcast has been a production of Discipleship Ministries, an agency of the United Methodist Church. Visit all our podcasts at podcasts.umcdiscipleship.org.